This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. If the players were hoping for a nice, cool, breezy day yesterday for their first day of Steelers practice at 2023 training camp, they can go somewhere else for that, Labs. Boy, is it hot out there up in Latrobe. They turned up the heat big time yesterday. Well, um, you know, and the, and the thing that was seemingly to me a little bit, you know, touch and go um, before practice started was, was, was whether it was going to be wet. Um, but um, the rain held off <laughs> and <laughs> about 6.30, well, 6.30 or 7 o'clock, wow. I mean, there were a, a few, uh, I guess you would call it bands of thunderstorms that kind of rolled in, uh, and it rained uh, hard sometimes. Well, And it depended where you were, you know, in, in La Trobe. I mean, because there were times where you could see – you you might have been somewhere that was getting pelted with rain and you could look maybe a little bit off into the distance and it's blue sky. So, you know, I'm assuming that over there it wasn't raining. Uh, and that kind of pattern stuck around for, I don't know, I'm going to say seven to nine, where uh, where you were it would rain hard and then stop and then start and then <laughs> stop. So, um, yeah, it, uh, Mike Tomlin and the and the Steelers danced through the raindrops uh, or around the raindrops, maybe is a better way of saying it. Yesterday, got the first practice in. Everybody got off the field. I would imagine most of the fans also uh, were able to clear campus, get to their cars, and you know get on their way without getting wet. But um, yeah, there was there, there was some serious rain. And then you know today is a um, as they say, a heat advisory day, right. looking at the National Weather Service um, website. And, um, you know, only a slight chance of thunderstorms so, uh, during the day. So I guess it's going to be another dry uh, practice. By with that, I mean no rain. And then who knows what might happen once, you know, the sunset starts to set a little bit. Well, it's always a good idea to bring an umbrella or a poncho, even if it is a heat advisory when you're going up to St. Vincent for, for camp. It can change on a dime, like you just illustrated there. Um, the heat, though, kind of a problem for at least one player yesterday. We'll get into the injury report here before we really dive into the first day of practice. No health issues reported by Mike Tomlin, except for Rodney Williams saying he got a little fatigued via the heat. They're just going to evaluate him, and hopefully he's back out there for practice today, but... So far, so good, Labs, as far as injuries are concerned. And when you look at camps from around the league, that's not always the case with some star players. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely on now. You know, this is uh, a, a time of this a year, I think, that a lot of times um, when you say, uh, talk about maybe the best thing that happened that day, it would be nobody got hurt. Uh, so, right. you know, it's only acclimation period still. So there's no pads. Uh, no, no real hitting at all. Um, you know, there was a a brief uh, instance, maybe uh, is a is a good way to call it. Um, uh, Deontay Johnson uh, caught a pass on the sideline, and it seemed to me, and again, I'm I'm speculating from uh, you know a distance that his his foot slipped or something, and you know he went down to the ground. 
and grabbed his knee right away. And I thought, mm. oh, no, not, you know, because he wasn't hit or anything. And a lot of times those non-contact situations are when players suffer serious injuries. Yes. Um, so, and the guys, there was a guy around him, a, a teammate, started waving, you know, for uh, a trainer. And I thought, oh, no. But Makes then Deontay Johnson, yeah. yeah, he jumped right up and <laughs> um, shook it off and, you know, went back into the huddle at, for, at that point and, can, you know, completed the practice. So, yeah, that, um, you know, then the, the big news or lack of big news or, you know, whatever is Joe Burrow's situation, um, he sustained an injury, which was non-contact, uh, by the way. So was non-contact, by the way. Yeah, and you know it's being uh, described in some uh, quarters as a calf injury. Um, I also saw some immediate speculation that it was an ACL. Now that was quickly um, debunked by the Bengals. So, you know. I'm just saying then that this is how think these things go a lot of times at this uh, time of the year too. A uh, lot of different reports. Uh, the team usually says we, you know, we're pending uh, pending further evaluation. You know, we're going to go in with this. So you know, um, I'm sure that there are uh, various. Uh, who knows? Maybe some candles were lit here at the uh, St. Vincent <laughs> College Basilica. You know, not that you would wish, you know, one of your, one of the best players in the league any ill will or anything. But hey, if um, you know the that I would call, I would call the Bengals the favorite in the AFC North. You think that's fair, right? Oh yeah, Favorites. I agree with you. Um, taking the best player off their team, uh, the quarterback. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think that would qualify for good news in three training camps for sure. Um, if not more. Yeah, no question. You always got to hold your breath this time of year. I know the Dolphins also had an injury scare with Jalen Ramsey yesterday, their prize free agency acquisition in the offseason. So no news, good news for the Steelers so far, and we'll continue to light those candles at St. Vincent Basilica to keep <laughs> keep the injury bug away from this team. Uh, we did get our first glimpse yesterday at the first team reps, Labs. We're, we're going to hear from Coach T in just a few minutes here, and you'll hear in the press conference he poo-poo the notion of reading too much into those first team reps, but you know, my initial takeaway, none of the rookies really put out there initially with those first teamers. Yeah, and I mean, that to me is is standard operating procedure uh, for Mike Tomlin. I, I just don't think that, you know, he likes to anoint anyone right away. Um, and even Marquise Pouncey, as an example, wasn't the starter right. at center until, I don't know, a couple of weeks, three weeks maybe into training camp. So, uh, you know, and Marquise Pouncey was a uh, a quick first-team All-Pro uh, when his career started as a number one pick, the team's number one pick in 2010. So, yeah, none of, none of the rookies were um, anointed anything uh, during the first practice. And, you know, we've talked about this. Mike Tomlin is not... Uh, a big fan of depth charts, <laughs> period, especially depth charts in training camp and extra especially uh, at depth for depth charts early in training camp. And, you know, we saw this uh, on both sides of the ball really almost immediately. You know, the the both the offense and the defense, I mean, the personnel groupings, they're just running guys on and off the field. I mean, they didn't run 
um, even the same lineup for one practice period, which, you know, in some cases might have been a dozen plays. So, you know, in, in a real game, NFL regular season game, that might be one drive. Um, but, the, I mean, they, they're just running people on and off the field. And, yeah, Mike Tomlin um, was not really interested uh, in uh, addressing any of that kind of stuff, who was on the field first or who was on the field with who, uh, that kind of stuff when he was asked about it uh, after the practice. Yeah, Coach Tomlin always stops by to talk to the media after each training camp practice. We always like to give that audio to you here in the first segment and keep an ear out for the end of it when he does uh, verbalize his disdain for depth charts. It's Coach Tomlin here on SNR. Man, really excited about getting started. We appreciate our fans coming out here and welcoming us. Um, you know, just initial day things, man, uh, teaching and learning and getting acclimated to our environment, the pace in which we work, uh, the things that we value culturally, particularly for the new guys, uh, communication, whether it's formal or informal, coach to coach, player to player, uh, coach to player, et cetera. Some of the things that were in our focus, man, um, broad sweeping, um, you know, football agenda like things, ball security, ball searching on defense. Um, Obviously, we got a long way to go, but it's just great to be back up here and starting this process and, and and watching guys compete and make a few plays in the midst of it. And so we'll just continue with that. Um, thankfully, we didn't have any health issues today. I think Rodney Williams uh, at tight end got a little bit uh, fatigued via the heat. Uh, we'll evaluate him and see if we can get him back out here tomorrow. Availability is a big component of this thing, particularly at the early stages. Um, that's how you get better. You, you make yourself available. You snap the ball, you work. You repeat process, and and in the midst of that, you analyze and 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 adjust and so forth. And so, uh, player availability is big. Uh, pause and open it up for questions. Mike Dan Moore was taking first team today. He told me earlier he felt a newfound confidence coming into this training camp. What have you noticed from him, and what did you see from him today? I hadn't noticed a thing, man. We just got started. It's football and helmets, and so I'm not looking at a lot of those type confrontations because they're not significant in terms of what we're doing in a football-like environment right now. Um, more skill guy related and things of that nature when you're in helmets because uh, you're playing with a governor and, and that governor really minimizes the impact of, of line play. So I'd be making something up if I gave you that. Overall, how would you assess all the young guys, especially the draft picks? I like the energy. Um, you know, guys appear to be in shape and I think those are some of the broad sweeping things you're looking for. Uh, at this stage. Michael, we didn't, we didn't see Mika participate. Nothing of any significance, man. Sometimes we know a lot about guys. We minimize them in an effort to get to see others. Um, you probably didn't see a lot of Deontay. You probably didn't see as a significant amount of Cam. I mean, I just, there's going to be a lot of that in this process. We got 90 guys out here that we're working to get to know. Some of them that we really know, like Amika. Uh, sometimes we minimize them in an effort to see others. The team had uh, Rod Woodson out here for a promotional event, and uh, he was talking about some of the good, young, big corners that you guys have on your team right now. And he talked about the importance of remembering to play big. You were big in college, play big now. Do you like Corey and Joey? Is that something that they naturally embrace, that, that concept? We're still very much in the, in the get to know. Um, obviously, that's something that you look for. Um, the length component, particularly from a bump and run standpoint, uh, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about playing big at that position, high pointing the ball and things. Um, they're going to have plenty of opportunity to, to display those skills. Anyone else? 
Mike Duke uh, Dawson got some playing time out there with one. What have you seen from him this season? Man, don't don't look too much into what groups people are running with at this juncture, man. You're gonna lead yourself uh, down a bad path. I mean, somebody had to do it. What do you what, what do you have you seen from? Him? I really didn't. I wasn't involved in the discussion in terms of who we sent out there first because I really didn't care. You know, we're just trying to get to know people, and we're gonna continue to roll. Eli. Uh, made a play at the nickel position. Duke's working at the nickel position. Sully's working at the nickel position. At some point, we're going to put Pat P at the nickel position. Um, don't pay too much attention to the depth at this juncture. All right. Just being honest. <laughs> yeah, I told you he was surly at the end there when he was asked about those first team reps. I mean, but I get what he's coming from. You know, he has stressed in yesterday's press conference, a little bit in this press conference. It's a process. This is about the process, 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 process. Why would you read anything into what happens on day one after he has so adamantly stressed the process of this all? Yeah, and, you know, I I, I get it, uh, you know, uh, the, some of the questions. I mean, but um, it's, as you mentioned, it's a process. And, you know, people want or think that they're entitled to, you know, answers, definitive things now. You know, you know, what did this guy do? What did this guy do with this guy? <laughs> I mean, you know, there are um, things on the uh, on the Internet uh, that will deal with that and speculate about those kinds of things. But the reality of it is there are no answers at this point and everybody's looking for answers even at this point. And so that's when you end up having the kinds of exchanges we just heard there. Um, you know, the the questions sometimes are persistent about wanting to know, you know, what about this guy, what he did in this particular situation or in this particular period. And, you know, even if you talk about it, it doesn't necessarily mean anything when it comes to today. You know, the one question, and, and I don't mean to single this player out because he had nothing to do with it, but Duke Dawson, um, who knows? Uh, you know, I don't know if there was something specific, some specific relationship between the person who um, asked the question and, you know, the interest in Duke Dawson. Is it, does it go back to college? Is it, um, you know, someone he knows? Is it, you know, whatever. And so you're looking for a, a soundbite or a quote that you can use in a written story about this guy. And then that would, could have a tendency to have a shelf life maybe longer than the player's uh, status with whatever it was, either good or bad, on that particular day. I mean, this stuff changes day to day, practice to practice, sometimes period to period within a practice. And, you know, guys don't want to – by guys, I mean um, the people asking the questions – they don't necessarily want to hear that. They're not. That's not what they're looking for. Because let's just say whoever the player was who was asked about, maybe he stunk. Okay, so Mike Tallman or whoever it is, you know, says, "Well, he he didn't do anything today. He missed assignments. You know, he looked slow and sluggish, or whatever it might be." Okay, now that Hank that has a shelf life too, probably longer than it deserves. And so either praise or criticism. Um, when it's delivered, if it is delivered, can linger, you know, and maybe mess up the, the individual's head, the individual player's head. It can create a situation where he thinks, oh, I got it made, or it creates a situation where he, I won't say gives up, but maybe goes a little bit in the tank. And, 
You know, maybe that tank less, uh, lasts for only a day or two, but that could put somebody behind um, unnecessarily in, in, in his quest, you know, to get noticed and maybe put himself in position to, you know, compete for a roster spot. So, you know, looking for answers, definitive kind of answers uh, this early, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a fool's errand. It just is. Um, but, you know, uh, everybody's got a job to do. And so uh, they do their job. Mike Tallman does his job. And sometimes um, you get those kinds of exchanges that we just heard. You know, as we talked about yesterday, I remember mentioning, you know, this, this goes on every day. You know, Mike Tomlin meets the media every day. And he may he have been expensive. Uh, it's his well, favorite part of camp, you know, probably. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Sometimes it's not my favorite part either because <laughs> you're just standing down there listening to this stuff thinking, why are you asking this? You know what you're going to get um, or not going to get. And, um, you know, we talked about maybe he was a little expansive in his uh, camp opening uh, presser. And I remember mentioning, well, you know, that, that can change real quick when the same questions get asked day after day after day as, um, you know, who knows? Some, sometimes it's a situation where everybody wants their own personal soundbite or quote that they can use when really, you know, it's the same question that has been asked maybe a day or two before, maybe multiple days in a row. Uh, and it just becomes a tedious thing. You know, it's hot. It's hot and miserable uh, for everyone, not just the players. And so, yeah, you're going to see some stuff like <laughs> that. But it's it's all part of the training camp experience. I I have uh, been around long enough and heard these things long enough. And it wasn't. It's not just Mike Tomlin. I mean, Bill Cowher wasn't exactly uh, you know uh, a bouquet of roses after every practice. <laughs> and I know, and Chuck Noll was not either. I mean, you just get sometimes you just get that look. Must be something or, in the water you know, up there. <laughs> or maybe it just comes right down from the sun. Um, so, uh, you know, as I said, I, and I don't, just as I would counsel fans not to make too much of what they might see in a specific drill at a specific moment in a practice, um, I would counsel them not to uh, get overly influenced or, upset or forming a, a hard cl uh, core opinion over one of those kinds of exchanges either. Well, despite the rookies not getting any real first-team reps, or at least the initial first-team reps yesterday, it was Steelers Nation's first glimpse at the rookie class that has so much promise. Labs and I will sink our teeth into the debut of the Steelers rookies next, and we'll also hear from Captain Cam Hayward. You're listening to the Training Camp Report on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Opperman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Everybody's really high on this rookie class from the Steelers. They think that, you know, three or four of these guys can make some significant contributions to the team as early as this year. We mentioned in the uh, previous segment, Labs, none of them got that initial first team rep, but Tomlin said not to read too much into that. When it comes to the rookies, you know, I know you can't really glean much from a Broderick Jones or a Keanu Benton without the pads on. Tomlin referenced that in his press conference, too. You know, it's more about the skill position, guys. But 
you know, seeing those guys up close and personal in their training camp uh, environment for the first time, what was some takeaways that you had? Um, you know, again, and I don't even want to, I don't want to go down the path that I was just criticizing, which was, you know, don't make too much out of this. Don't take a snapshot of a play in a practice period and make it into something that it's really not or more than it, it deserves to be. And so, you know, I'm not going to do that, but, um, you know, it was, they, they, you, you couldn't, let me say this. They didn't stick out as rookies. Nice. That was the thing that I noticed. They didn't stick out as rookies. They didn't look like they didn't know what to do or where to be in terms of whether they were on the field or not. When, you know, when personal groupings were changing and there were no uh, situations of, you know, plays being busted up before they even got started. You know, I re that was always you if you wanted to push Bill Cowher's buttons, um, you know, fumble a snap or, you know, do something, uh, an unforced error kind of thing in a pre-snap situation or jump off sides or, you know, those kinds of things. And he, he'd lose his mind. Um so, but there wasn't any of that yesterday uh, in, in terms of, so no rookie stood out with that guy's offsides or what's right. he doing or, you know, um, losing the ball or, you know, whatever it was. So, and again, in keeping with what I believe the theme of this first practice was, which was, you know, the, the energy and, you know, the getting to know you and, you know, it's just, it's, it's even though the, the work that was being done can pretty much be described as an extension of what was happening uh, during minicamp and OTAs, it's different for the new guys because now they're a training camp. You're on that field. There are fans there. I mean, this is what, um, you know, you've kind of been thinking about or preparing for in the, in the dead time between, you know, mid to late June and yesterday. And, Nobody seemed to uh, be in a situation where they were awed by it or uh, it was too big for them or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that to me is uh, something I think you can take away from the first day. Uh, and it's a, a somewhat positive thing. You know, it's more than um, an individual thing who looked good. But as a group, you know, they were pretty okay in, this, in that area. And as Mike Tomlin said, you know, only the uh, only Rodney Williams, ha the tight end, had any situation in terms of the heat, and so, you know, guys were in shape. They were hydrating, you know, at the proper times through the workout, and you know those kinds of things. Which, and that's part of the process too. Uh, so, uh, I'm not going to get into any. You know, I'm not going to go down that uh, rabbit hole about this guy did this or this guy didn't do this or this guy got beat or, you know, he made a play or, you know, any of those kinds of things. Um, because again, that's, uh, that can be as temporary as, you know, a snowflake uh, <laughs> falling from the sky on a day like yesterday. So, uh, but again, there were, there were no glaring um, mess ups, screw ups, miscommunications, brain cramps, those kinds of things. Well, I think the big three rookies that people have their eye on are Jones, Porter Jr., obviously, and then Darnell Washington is, you know, that sexy pick. 
monstrous six foot six, two hundred and fifty plus or whatever he is, pound tight end that it just looks like a freak of nature. But the man that was picked between Porter Jr. and Washington, Keanu Benton, that's a guy that I have circled with a lot of interest. I was doing a show last night from Live Casino with Coach Tom Bradley. He he might know a thing or two about defensive players <laughs> in football. And he was really high on Keanu Benton. Of course, he put the caveat in there of there's no pad, so what really can I draw from him? But he loved his athleticism. He loved the the what he could show in just shorts and, and helmets. He was very impressed by that. So I'm not saying that I'm ready to anoint this guy after day one as the nose tackle, but Montrevious Adams and some guys that might be in front of him on the initial depth chart should be a little bit worried about Benton behind them. Yeah, and, you know, based on um, the projections for him, and I'm going all the way back to, you know, draft day, you know, one of the things that it seemed to me uh, uh, when they were talking about why they picked this guy, why they liked this guy. When you did a little bit of uh, cursory research into his, you know, college career, you know, he, you, you may call him a nose tackle, but I mean, he couldn't be more different than Montrevious Adams uh, as a nose tackle. I don't think that there could possibly be. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, again, you go down this, uh, this rabbit hole and start comparing guys and labeling guys and stuff, but Keanu Benton, one of the things that they kept talking about was, you know, he's a guy with some athletic ability who maybe can provide you with, you know, more than just run stuffing ability, you know, as a nose tackle. Now, you know, Steelers fans who, um, you know, kind of have been delving into the draft and this kind of process for a while um, might have gone down, you know, because there's a guy that the Steelers had for three years or four years or whatever it was before his rookie contract expired, who was that kind of a nose tackle, who was a guy who could provide some interior pass rush. Um, he could. He was a factor on um, non-running downs or on running downs where the opponent chose not to run the ball, and he wasn't a guy that had to come off the field all the time, anytime the opposing uh, – Offensive coordinator would change personnel groupings or maybe try and sucker the defense into thinking one way or another by the personnel grouping and then do it, you know, the other kind of other kind of play. If it was a run formation and throw, if it was a pass formation, it'd run. And so, you know, maybe Keanu Benton gives you some of that. Uh, I think that that's the hope for him as he kind of, um, you know, gets his uh, sea legs underneath him and and, you know, starts getting into the, you know, more of the football uh, aspects of the position, you know, after the pads go on. So we're going to see um, how that works out. And uh, if you notice, <clears throat> I managed to talk about this guy for a long time without mentioning um, the comparison that I don't want to mention. Because, again, that's the thing that, you know, people listening to this, then they're going to start to say, well, you know, Bob Labriola compared him to <laughs> this guy. Say it. Don't even say the name. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> it's so... my least favorite thing, Labs. I think we've talked about this on Ask and Answer before. The comparisons to legendary players is the most unfair thing done to prospects in the NFL. Yeah, and, and sometimes comparisons, you know, like the guy that, whose name I'm not mentioning, I wouldn't refer to him as a legendary player. I mean, he's certainly making a lot of money in the NFL, and good for him. Uh, because, you know, it, it, based on... You know, his skill set and 
how the game is evolving and the, the value of those kinds of interior defensive linemen. I mean, that's what he's worth. And so good for him, like I said. But, you know, I just I don't want to hang that on a guy one day in the training camp. I just don't. And so I'm not going to. That being said, Kenny Pickett is the next Dan Marino. That one's obvious. We can all agree. Well, he broke all the Dan Marino's Yeah, he went records. to Pitt. Exactly. It's, it's, they're basically the same exact person. Dan Marino reincarnated, well, actually, even though Dan Marino's still alive. Actually, uh, the, the correct comparison would be Kenny Pickett broke all of Alex Van Pelt's records. <laughs> because Alex Van Pelt is the first guy to break Dan Marino's records. Eh. I mean, so us big fans to, just kind of gloss over that part of our uh, history. Yeah. <laughs> well, whoever's gonna as, as as it should be done too. Whoever's going to start at nose tackle is going to have a hell of a running mate up front in Captain Cam Hayward. And Cam was nice enough to stop by and chat with the media after practice yesterday. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. Good can the defense be? Do you guys need to be? Can it be good enough to carry this team? Um, you know, I think our defense is going to be very good. Uh, but it's a team that needs to get it done. Um, I'm not saying one side of the ball is going to get it done. Um, it's a group effort. Uh, guys got to grow. Um, but having the more experienced guys on defense, we do need to lead in, in some approach. I know what your goals always are each year. State and TJ talked about this. Is it time to win a playoff game? That's, that's low-hanging fruit for us. You know, I think um, there's more to accomplish than just winning one playoff game. Cam, where do you want to see improvement? Um, you know, getting off the field a lot more, um, that's better for my health. Um, you know, I think, um, we didn't lead the league in sacks, uh, turnovers, um, you know, red zone efficiency for a defense is huge. Uh, three instead of seven. Um, and you know, the emergence of, uh, players making big plays and, you know, those key moments. You know, for you and, uh, Anybody who's on the right side, particularly of the defensive front, mm -hmm. looking forward to challenging both the left tackles and kind of uh, juicing along this competition that they've got over there. Yeah, you know, I think we're we're trying to create as much competition as we can, um, and we're trying to make sure that um, our guys are prepared. Uh, obviously, Dan has more experience. Um, you bring in a guy like Isaac Ciamalo, um, and then you we have depth. You know, at the tackle, at the guard and tackle position. So, uh, Rogers got to come along, but um, he's going to have, you know, his fair share of work. Um, you know, whether it's Alex Highsmith, uh, me, um, Isaiah Loudermilk, um, and then Marcus Golden. You know, I think he's going to get plenty of work in the ones and twos. Had Meyer talked glowing terms about how Dan is improving during his time here. Yeah. Where specifically have you seen his improvement? You know, I think his body looks completely different. You know, I think he's really taking good care of it, um, looks stronger, uh, more fit, uh, and he should just have a better sense. Um, that's not going to come with any lumps, but, um, you know, I think he's got to show that, you know, he's going into his third year um, and that he's got those reps under his belt. Um, and we'll see who, who wins that battle. Cam, your focus last year was on being better against the run. Mm -hmm. What's the focus this year being better against the run in the pass. <laughs> um, you know, I think um, we stopped the run a lot better this past year, but uh, wasn't number one. Um, the goal is to be the number one defense. Cam, you talked about the guys behind you. You played fewer snaps last year than you had a couple of years before that. Obviously, the production is still really high. You feel like that's kind of the plan going forward? And was there like a, a model or a number or maybe someone older that you looked at to say, like, this is a path for me like in the future of my career? Um, 
you know, I don't think there's a model of a player um, that I really try to look at. Um, but it's about keeping me fresh in the fourth quarter and then um, throughout the season. Um, and, you know, one it comes down to getting off the field early. Um, another thing, uh, I can't play every rep. I'm not going to try to, but um, I want to make sure I make the most out of every rep I'm in. And, um, you know, I, I got to have guys that are stepping up. Cam, your leadership and guidance is obviously going to be, you know, valuable. And players are going to look up to you for advice. Have you talked to any of these newer guys about what to expect? No. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I try to lend as much uh, information as I can, um, try to be honest. Um, you know, comes back to the classroom and uh, going over plays. Uh, one thing I always try to do is just ask questions, um, not just for myself, but for the entire group. Um, you know, Coach Dunbar gets annoyed with me half of the time, but uh, that's just the way I, I try to teach the group. Um, I always think, you know, the dumb questions is the unasked questions. So um, making sure that I'm available in that approach is always my big thing. You mentioned Dan before. Um, he also talked about how Zach Banner was good for him, especially in the sense that, you know, they're kind of battling for playing time, but you mm -hmm. still brought him along. Like, you kind of went through that a little bit too with Brett, right? Um, I don't know. He's yeah. I feel like Brett was just teaching me. I don't think it was like a competition thing. I think because you know at first I was on the left. I was on the left side. On the other side yeah. So you know, and then me and Brett ended up starting. But um, you know, I think for there's always that two dogs, one one bone approach, um, competing against each other, making sure that um, you know you're available. Um, you know, and football sorts itself out. Um, I think a lot of times we say this is the day one starter. It doesn't always end up being the the start of the end of the season. So um, injuries happen, um, but I think both guys are capable of starting. But for him to have that sense that, you know, even though this guy's going for my job, I'm gonna, pick, I'm gonna be the first one to tell him what to look for in the playbook, to yeah. what the lunchroom is, that sort of thing. Oh, I think I think that's more of the Steeler culture, um, not hiding secrets. Um, it's here to build the best team, not just the best player. Um, you know, I can go down the list of, you know, great players sharing, you know, their knowledge to the team. Um, you look behind Ward's having A.B. and Emmanuel, um, you know, where were they, the Bugatti boys at the time? And, um, you know, the running backs by committee, you know. Um, um, there's been so many different positions that um, you can look at the line, O-line, um, inside linebackers, always just working together to make sure uh, everybody's informed. You talked Two about more. earlier, uh, maybe not. Are you referencing that maybe your snap count will be less this year? I'm not referencing anything. Okay. Um, you know, I just I want, didn't know if you were saying. I'm you... just saying that uh, I can't play every rep. Okay. Um, I think you know it, it comes down to uh, having solid guys behind, which I think we do. Um, louder milk, um, Armand Watts. Um, you know, there's a boatload of guys that I think can play. Um, you know, we got Benton, we got Demarvin, Leal. Um, you know, I just think. Um, it's not going to come down to just me. It never will. Um, but uh, it's about just making sure we have fresh guys on the field. It's not going to come down to just Cam Hayward, but, man, he is a Marvel Labs. I, I honestly expect this guy to play forever. <laughs> I, I know he won't, and I know people are starting to say, well, you know, you have to kind of keep an eye on him potentially losing a step here as he gets older. But last year he didn't miss a step at all. In fact, some of his numbers went up. This guy just might be one of those rare breeds that gets better as he gets older. And at that position, it's even extra rare. 
Yeah, I mean, and, you know, his importance to the team uh, cannot be overstated. Uh, and, you know, it's, 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 it's a twofold thing, too. I mean, you, we can talk about his on-field uh, impact and his performance and what he contributes on the field forever and, and all of it's, you know, um, deserving. But also, there is no doubt who the alpha in that locker room is. Yes. There is no yeah. doubt. And you, you need that, you know, you're, and, and again, um, I don't want to go too far with any of this stuff, but in the history of the Steelers franchise, there are three Jersey numbers retired. Okay. Two of those three guys are interior defensive linemen and Cam Hayward is establishing himself as one of the most significant not only one of the more significant players in franchise history, I would say he might be the most significant player in, of his era. You know, him and Ben, uh, if you want, you know, but Ben would be on the offense and Cam would be on the defense. Um, you know, and when you start looking at uh, honors, individual things, all pro uh, situations, uh, pro bowls, um, rankings uh, on the lists, franchise leader in this or that. Cam Hayward is you know, right up there. I mean, in terms of all of those uh, categories that I just mentioned, he deserves to be in the conversation when you're talking about the best interior defensive lineman in franchise history. And that that is a pretty high bar for this team. Uh, so, yeah, Cam Hayward is uh, a significant player in franchise history he continues to be one and the longer he goes at that level um you know he's just going to continue to establish himself even more or maybe higher on the lists of the all-time players for this franchise and uh, a lot of respect for cam hayward uh and his and not only his ability as a player and a leader but his impact in the community I mean, I think that it's a crime that Cam Hayward has never won the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Award. Oh, I know. I just, I don't, I don't. And each get it. year, Labs, you think it's going to be the year, right? Like every time he's up for it, you think this is it, and then they give it to like Dak or somebody like that. Yeah, because you know it's supposed to be a combination. If you read about the the um, the description of uh, the uh, the winning of that award, what you know the player needs to the qualities that the player needs to embody. You know, it's supposed to be a combination of on-field right. uh, performance and impact in the community. And, and Cam Hayward's, you know, I was just talking about his um, on-field impact. So to me, that that's that's not a uh, that's not a problem. I mean, he should that he checks that box. Uh, and his community impact, I mean, is is seriously significant. I mean, some of the things that he does, um, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm really just scratching the surface here, but two of the things that I think are, are really cool about uh, what Cam Hayward does through his foundation, you know, those little libraries that he um, sponsors where uh, getting books um, to young people, um, and then the other one that I really think is impressive is how uh, his foundation also provides um, dress clothes or 
you know, interview worthy clothes to um, teenagers, young uh, men and women who are uh, in a situation of trying to better themselves by, you know, interviewing for a significant job or a better job. And, you know, they're thereby changing their life or their family's life along the way. And maybe they don't have the nice clothes to do that. You know, you don't have a jacket and tie and a nice dress shirt with a pair of slacks, you know, that you could wear to an interview and be impressive. And his foundation helps these people, um, you know, procure those kinds of things. And maybe even in some cases, you need to teach a, a, a man, a young man, how to tie a tie. Because, you know, that's not, there's a lot of people who don't know how to do that. That's why I always go with uh, clip-ons. <laughs> makes it real easy. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, th th that, that to me is, it's a crime. Uh, it, it needs to be righted or, or rectified. Cam Hayward needs to win that award. He deserves that award. And I, I just, uh, it, it bothers me that he has not won it. And, I mean, I just wish there was something more I could do about it, but I cannot. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, he embodies that award, uh, can win it every single year he's nominated, and hopefully that's coming. Rather, I hope it comes this year, to be honest with you. And if I could, like you said, I'd campaign for it hard. When we come back, though, we're going to switch attention to the offensive side of the ball. A lot of eyes looking at the offense um, with anticipation for this season, including that wide receiver position. We'll talk about Deontay Johnson, if he can have a bounce-back year this year and find the end zone. And Labs will also, also give you some day-two expectations as the Steelers practice today at 155 at St. Vincent College. You're listening to the Training Camp Report on SNR. This is the Training Camp Report with Tom Offerman and Bob Labriola on Steelers Nation Radio. Deontay Johnson did not catch a touchdown pass last season. I'm sure that's weighing on him this offseason. It's weighing on a lot of fans. But, Labs, honestly, if there was one thing I was most confident in for 2023, if there was one player I was most confident in having a bounce-back year, it is Deontay Johnson. I mean, all the metrics, all the analytics tell you that he's a great wide receiver or has the potential to be a great wide receiver. And to me, you know, that touchdown thing kind of reeks more of a fluke as a, a norm. Well, you know, certainly that's, uh, that's the hope around here, the expectation around here. And, I, you know, I think that Deontay Johnson, along with, you know, George Pickens and Allen Robinson and Calvin Austin III even, um, they, they should be able to benefit from the fact that there is no longer any kind of unknown um, situation regarding the quarterback or the quarterback pecking order yes. or any of that stuff. I think that's huge. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when when they when they call for the first team offense or or whatever it is, what you know, the starting offensive group uh, for every any period particular period. Uh, unless it's, you know, a, a specific situation where, you know, you want to look at um, a different quarterback. I mean, it's Kenny Pickett. I mean, there's no, you know, like last summer, um, you, there were situations where, okay, let's see who uh, operates with the first group, you know, in the two minute this day. You know, from now on, when it's the first group in the two minute period, it's Kenny Pickett. I mean, that's just what it is. It's like when Ben was playing, you know, that's, it's Ben. So I, I think that that should uh, help uh, the receivers. Um, and because not only is that a, a, 
more a settled situation in terms of, you know, the pecking order. Uh, Kenny Pickett looks, um, I don't know, he looked, he looks a little different now than he did yeah. one calendar year ago. I mean, so uh, he's going to be better and, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a give and take kind of situation. I mean, you can't separate the quarterback play from a receiver's production. I mean, because they go hand in hand. And so, yeah, I think that Deontay Johnson is too talented um, to go through a, an NFL entire NFL regular season with no touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I don't expect that to happen again. And, uh, you know, he is a guy who the, the Steelers need to produce uh, in, in a big-time way because if you're looking at the offense, you know, a couple of the things I think that are going to be important for that unit to be better at doing this year is explosive plays and scoring points. And Deontay Johnson, with his skill set, uh, can contribute to both of those areas in a meaningful way. Practice today is at 155, just like yesterday, and Labs it's still not as full length as it could be once training camp's acclimation days are in the rearview mirror, but it is an increase in time that they're allowed to be on the field from yesterday to today, correct? Yes. Um, I, I, I believe the number goes from 90 minutes to 105 minutes today. Um, still not uh, really approaching the length of a typical padded practice once we get into that. You know, sometimes those can go two hours maybe even a little longer than that. Um, so, yeah, it's still acclimation kind of period or uh, situation. Um, I don't know that there's going to be very much different in terms of what they did on the field uh, yesterday and what they're going to do on the field today. As I mentioned, there's it's going to be a little bit longer of a period out there. Um, you know, And, again, the weather is going to be a factor. I believe that the weather will be a factor. If it's if it's not wet, it's going to be really hot, hotter than it was yesterday. And, um, you know, guys need to be able to manage that. And Rodney Williams, I, I bring him up only because Mike Tomlin did uh, as someone who uh, had a little bit of a heat situation yesterday. Players, especially young guys, they cannot have that happen to them Yes, uh, repeatedly. Or for, you know, uh, have it impact them for a long time because, you know, the, the, the train is moving. Uh, and there are only certain few guys that the train waits for. And usually, you know, rookies who are not high draft picks um, are guys who, you know, you, you, if, if the train's moving and you're not on it, uh, you get left behind. That's it for Labs and I today, but don't you worry, our coverage continues all day long here on SNR. We're going in the locker room next. Wolf and Starks will take you from 9 to noon before Wes Euler jumps in for the high noon roundup uh, leading into the Steelers Blitz with Wes and Moats. Full day of coverage here on uh, SNR. Labs and I will be back again tomorrow just because it's the weekend. Doesn't mean the Steelers take a day off, and that means we don't take a day off either. 8 a.m., bright and early on SNR for the training camp report.